0: Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight, and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. This is your host Alison Humphreys and I'm really pleased to be joined today by a client of mine who's been enjoying extraordinary success, uh, Mike Tan, who is Director of Select Offshore and Select Tech. And we're going to focus today on his work with Select Offshore. There's a very interesting story there about how he's achieved 50% growth and managed to garner awards through what has been a very difficult time for some agencies, but has been a very successful one for him. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me.
2: Hello.
1: I think it would be helpful for our listeners to hear some context about the business. So, a little bit, if, if you would, some background about yourself, the history of the business, and in particular, how your market sector in Select Offshore is, is very different to, for example, placing people at office professionals. So, if we can take those one by one, let's start with you, how you came to be doing this.
2: Yeah, so I'm yeah, Mike Tan, co founder of uh, Select Offshore. We are an offshore recruitment agency that focus on three sectors of the offshore energy industry. So we cater for marine crew, basically the people that work on the ships. We cater for um, subsea that is effectively everything that happens under the surface. And we also cater for the project crew that install the offshore wind farms. I, yeah, co-founded the business with my, my friend Ryan and we, we were at school together, so we, we've known each other from a young age and we established business in 2013.
1: Fantastic. Okay. And just to give some metrics, how many contractors roughly do you have out in, across those three divisions um, at any one time and how many heads do you employ?
2: Yes, it's it's very seasonal, our our business. So typically it can be anything at the moment from I think we're at 140 um, a month up to a height of around 180. So different sectors, I suppose, have more seasonality to them than than others. Um, Offshore wind farm construction, for instance, picks up quite heavily in the summer. So we we really peak um, at that point.
1: Right, okay. Now, for people who've perhaps grown up, I don't know, placing finance staff into office jobs, there's a lot to learn. And and even when I started working with you, there was a lot for me to pick up about what was different and special about this industry. So just thinking about areas like compliance, working patterns, and the international nature of of the business, can you just outline some of the things that perhaps might not be obvious to lots of recruiters?
2: Yeah, I was actually fortunate enough to do um, a couple of years in the Middle East myself in the oil industry. So in that industry, you work on rotation. So it could be anything from a two-week trip to a nine-week trip. And uh, during that period, you're on board a vessel or on a rig and you work for 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And then you come home and you've got all that time at home to, to enjoy. So it's a, yeah, very fast moving contract market. Uh, we're we're ninety seven percent contract and it's yeah it's it's all about redeployment of the contractors it's 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 about getting the the same clients with similar vessels and having as many opportunities for for your guys and girls as possible.
1: It's also quite compliance heavy isn't it because you've got these people working offshore. so there are a whole series of processes that you have to go through after you've engaged a candidate's interest. So off the top of your head, just roughly how many pieces of compliance do you need to put a candidate through before you can actually get them, get their timesheet?
2: In the marine business, which is probably where it's most prominent, we, we are something called MLC certified. And basically that looks out for the welfare of the seafarers, but also make sure that you're doing everything correct on the compliance. Uh, point of view so for instance your typical officer on the bridge might have 20 certificates that they need you need to make sure they're all up to date you need to make sure they're all valid they're all real and sometimes it even differs depending on the sector that you're working in or the flagship of the vessel it's yeah to be honest it it seems easy now because we've got all the processes in place but that is the the most challenging sort of aspect of our our industry is actually learning that process and and making sure that you're keeping track and keeping up to date.
1: Mm, yes, it is constantly changing, isn't it? And your contractor workforce is truly international. So even if you've got UK nationals, they may not be UK resident. Am I right?
2: Yeah, oh, I mean, we've got Latvian personnel, we've got Lithuanians, we've got Polish, we've got Croatian, basically every European nationality you can think of we we employ and we also cater for projects globally as well so we've got candidates working in thailand and indonesia at the moment and that that is the real challenge it's not only the compliance it's the time difference it's the nationality of of the crew dealing with different currencies you really have to we we joke that we're professional problem solvers because to, to be good in our industry you're constantly solving the problem
1: and you had quite a lot to solve in 2020 Um, so suddenly you had contractors but it was really difficult to get them to the assignments on offshore yeah Um, now you've been successful in winning let me get this the queen's award for enterprise uh recruitment agency of the year from recruiter and just recently covid19 champion so please share. What did you do to deserve these awards?
2: Yeah, do you know what? It's the first time we've we've kind of felt worthy to apply to, the, to these types of awards. So the first one we we entered was the Queen's Award, and I think they've got three categories, innovation, sustainable development, and international trade. And to be eligible, you need to have a certain percentage of your business as export, and I, I think we're, we're at 95% even more than that for the, for those three years, and we we grew around sixty percent a year for that three year period that we use the accounts for. So, yeah, fortunate enough to be to be shortlisted. Um, I, I mean, I've read the stats, and I think only seven thousand odd companies have, have won that award since its inception. So,
1: which was what nineteen sixties or something was it?
2: Yeah, it was a long time ago. To be honest, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the ins and outs, but there, yeah, it was a real real proud moment for us. I think. We, it, we, we hadn't heard of the awards before, but now we've got the logo. We notice it everywhere. So you see it on the back of a Waitrose van, for example. And you're like, oh, look, there's the Queen's Award logo. So it's, yeah, it, it's just, I guess, one of those things. Um, but no, really, really proud moment. COVID did uh, hinder the celebrations a bit. Normally you, you would go to Buckingham Palace and two representatives from your work would be able to visit members of the royal family. And we, we did manage to, to sort of celebrate in a way. Uh, I say, but we, we ended up at Windsor, Windsor Castle and there's only one person from the company. So, yeah, it was a bit of a shame that me and Ryan couldn't go together. Uh, I think that was, but I managed to, yeah, get, get there and uh, meet Prince Charles and some of the other um, members of the Royal Family. So it, it was great. It was interesting to see the different types of businesses that, that were there. I mean, we were the only recruitment agency that were, were there, but yeah, it was a vast vast list of random random companies
1: and then obviously um the the two recruitment industry awards that you've won what were the the major factors in you uh, being successful there
2: yeah i think the well the covid champion we in 2020 it got to around april time maybe may and we had a number of contractors that were working on assignments in trinidad and tobago And I'm not sure if you're aware, but they they closed their, the country closed their borders. And it was probably the most stringent closing of the borders that that I'd heard of because they wouldn't even let their own nationals return in a lot of uh, circumstances. So we knew we had to to adapt, and we knew how big the oil and gas industry and the the maritime industry um, is in Trinidad so we we had to think of a way that we could actually make these crew changes happen so we through our queens award actually we made some contacts in in the region and through a local agency there we in partnership with with some clients that we'd identified with vessels in the country we we built relationships with the ministry of national security and essentially we 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 got the approval to run monthly charter flights um, in and out of the country to complete our crew changes. So, yeah, it was a big, t- t- to be honest, it was, it was a big achievement for us because we're, we're, we're a small business and I think mm-hmm. it definitely pushed ourselves and pushed the limits of us as individuals, definitely took us out of our comfort zone in a lot of um, circumstances. But... It was great. It, it, yeah, it was, it was great fun. We had to go through a whole process and put together a quarantine. Um, so we set up quarantine in Amsterdam and two of the young guys volunteered. They wanted to go out there and help set it up. So they went out there and identified some hotel apartments where we could cater for the requirements of the ministry. And um, we, we carried out testing, a testing schedule there. We carried out temperature testing and, and and everything. So eventually we, we put together essentially a crew change package that was signed off by BP, signed off by Shell in the region, and then eventually the Ministry of National Security um, ticked a box and we were able to operate these charter flights. So, yeah, we started to do that on a monthly basis. And it was, I mean, naturally it was, it was really popular because it's dangerous to have people on a ship working 12 hours a day for a long period of time. So yeah it was a, it was it was a big big milestone for us as a business
1: yeah and i have to say uh, because obviously we were working together at the time that the speed with which you managed to get these things organized when the world was shut down was extraordinary and um you know moving to chartering flights wasn't just a sort of an alternative to recruitment you actually in managed to engage new clients and contractors as a result of it didn't you
2: yeah, definitely. Some of the the younger guys in the team, they've built some very, very strong relationships with clients off the back of this. I think naturally, if you're helping someone to the level that that we managed to, and it, it was a lot of it was luck. It's, I'm not putting it down to we identified that. Oh, we, we're going to go after Trinidad charter flights. It was it was a client coming to us with a problem, and we managed to find a solution. And I think a lot of them just like liked that, and it, it's been great for us because. Everyone that we work with on the charter flights that we weren't already doing business with on recruitment, we're now working with on a recruitment basis. So, yeah, it's been really good.
1: Um, but obviously, that was a, a major the, the um, uh, organizing of transport and isolation and all the rest of it was a, a huge factor in you winning the COVID nineteen champion uh, as awarded by recruiters just last week. So well done. So you and I have been working together now for just over two years, I think. Uh, you've had an extraordinary period of growth. And of course, you've got ambitious plans to hire considerably more of your own staff this year as well. Can we just go back to why did you decide to look for potentially a non-exec director or board advisor? What made you think that would be useful?
2: Yeah, I think the, the nature of our business, so I mentioned Ryan earlier on in, in the call, and we we founded the business together and uh, around five years ago now, uh, so a little, a little bit after we started Selectashore, we, we established Select Tech that you mentioned. And Ryan's um, involvement shifted from Shore to Select Tech. And he, he runs that with, with someone else that we're really close to as well, actually. Um, and it, it kind of left me on my own a little bit trying to to run this business by myself and i definitely realized i needed the support of someone at a similar level to myself um and really just someone that i could lean on when ryan's busy with his own day-to-day operations and growth of of that company i could just keep my focus in in one business and keep my focus with what's in front of me
1: and what did you? What was on your shopping list when you went out to market? What did you actually look for?
2: Yeah, do you know what? we we actually got put in touch with with yourself. Um, I listened to a podcast, and Alex Elliott, uh, obviously who you used to work with at Liquid, was on the podcast, and he very kindly agreed to to meet with ourselves because we were going through a stage where the financials were looking really really good for our business, but we didn't really have the structure in place that would allow us to continue on. That, that trajectory. So he he put us in touch with yourself and um, we, for us, we wanted to speak to someone that, um, or work with someone that had been at an MD level and had experience running a company and had taken that company through a real impressive short-term period of growth, which, which you had achieved um, at Liquid.
1: So in terms of your business, um, just off the top of your head, for the benefit of our listeners, can you explain what some of the benefits of that working relationship has been
2: yeah I, I mean for me it's it's simple things getting the confidence to actually spend money on areas that don't actually make money I, that that was our biggest transition I, I I mean having the confidence to get an office manager in and have a full time like full time team for compliance invest a lot into our payroll and our our back office Uh, are not things that i would i suppose afraid of but it just gave you the confidence that you you weren't wasting money and every sort of penny you were spending was being ticked off and verified by someone that had not only been there and done it themselves but at multiple different times in in their career so You're almost paying to learn from someone else's mistakes in a way. um, And it's really just gaining that expertise and and knowledge that that we're looking for.
1: Okay, thank you. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you have ambitious plans for this year. Um, You've started the process of a a whole marketing revamp, um, which I'm sure some listeners will be interested to follow. when the new website hits and your uh, marketing comms. And there's, there's a lot of other expansion in terms of uh, headcount, customer base, and so forth. One of the biggest stumbling blocks that many recruitment business owners face at this stage is not being able to attract the right talent. And for many, they hit a ceiling um, and just find they're constantly then replacing, replacing, replacing. So when you go out to recruit your own staff, what do you look for? And what would you say is your employer proposition?
2: I, yeah, I think for, for us, I mean, we, we budgeted to hire around 20 people across both businesses this year. So that, that, that in itself is quite ambitious. We look for uh, individuals that are highly competitive, that have a bit of an entrepreneurial flair. I mean, given the nature of our business, you need to try and spot other opportunities um, to, to make money or to uh, progress within our within our market, and we definitely look for people that that want to collaborate and work as a team. It's it's so important, and that that's something that we found difficult, more challenging during COVID, because it, it's such a fast paced contract market that being on the same desk is is so beneficial to your business that having to start Teams calls twenty times throughout the day was just proving almost too much. So. Yeah, basically, team players, highly competitive individuals with a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit is is what we look out for.
1: And and I would add um, the ability to work at considerable pace because it is fast. Your market isn't it? Okay, so um, we've been doing some work on developing your employer proposition because everybody wants to recruit people like you, the ones you've just described, and um, you've you've. Oh, tended to recruit from outside the industry on the whole. But you now have a mixture, don't you, of some people who had some, some prior recruitment experience. Tell me what you've done to make yourself an attractive employer.
2: I mean, look, everyone's got a table tennis table and a coffee machine and put duvet days on their website. So I, I think the the, the recruitment industry is full of, full of that kind of information, which we, which we do as well. Um, I I think for us, the real differentiator, I mean, we've taken someone from an apprentice level um, up to earning over £100,000 a year for himself last year. I I think historically we haven't offered the most structured training, but now that's in process with with the help of yourself. So we offer a structured training program, a structured career plan with different tiers that can allow you to progress um, through the ranks before your end of year appraisal um, we're, we're very hands-on as as owners and, and managers and I think for us it's it's no greater achievement than getting someone to actually get their billings up to a level that that you can see they're excited about so I'm just trying to think the last person that actually left our left our company we don't have a high turnover of staff at all um we we really are it, it, it's not like a family here but it's like a competitive sports team yeah. where everyone is very friendly after like everyone's very friendly all the time but it, it's very competitive and uh, I, I guess high there's a high level of intensity throughout the days and then after work everyone's genuinely friends as well which 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 helps I, I think you need you need to have that kind of um collaboration to to do do well in this market and that's something that we provide
1: and it's an interesting um, point, isn't it, that so many recruitment business owners will talk h- hypothetically or, or in the abstract about people being able to earn a lot of money. But your response is, just, is, is actually about the joy, the fun of doing the job as well as the money. yeah, And having a clear path and people who you can actually show have gone from, as you say, from being apprentices to, uh, to six figure earnings. Um, gives people a lot of confidence that they could do that too doesn't it um, uh, and I think what we do as an industry we do ourselves a disservice where people overquote what people are going to earn without being able to back it up so you've also introduced a whole, whole range of um, staff policies we've got you know some uh, enhanced some parental leave and um, we have a, a work from anywhere policy and So there's a there's a number of those things, but actually it is about the job itself being fun environment, isn't it? Because it's uh, it it can be pressurized. And if you don't, you don't have a, a bigger purpose for doing that, then a lot of people throw in the towel. Now, this series of podcasts, the linking factor, if you will, is about finding, engaging and retaining candidates, which is a challenge for everybody. Um, We've already heard on other episodes from experts on marketing, diversity, tech perspectives. I know that you've had considerable success with referrals of candidates and redeploying your contractors. Now, without giving away anything confidential, what would your top three pieces of advice be for finding and keeping candidates?
2: Yeah, so I... I was obviously quite fortunate to uh, work in the oil industry before on rotation. So I experienced, I guess, some issues with contracting in that market. And, and one of the big ones was I always remember this because I, I tell everyone about it and come back to it when because um, it helps everyone understand what the contractors are going through. So I, I basically flew out to Saudi Arabia. I arrived there and no one was there to greet me. I didn't have any information the, um, the company weren't answering the phone. So I waited at the airport for three, three or four hours. Eventually someone came along with a little placard saying Mike Tan. So got in his taxi, got dropped off at a random uh, hotel, really late at night. And I managed to, to get to sleep for a couple of hours uh, or a few hours before I had to wake up because I didn't have any information about who was coming to get me the next day. So anyway, I was in the hotel lobby at 5 a.m. the next day and I, I just sat there. They, they still weren't answering their phone. So I just sat there and waited, eventually fell asleep and no one turned up. So I did the same the next day and, and someone eventually came and picked me up. Um and yeah, it's a, it's a really random situation, but I always think back to it because it just shows you how important it is to communicate with with your contractors and, and also like overshare of information. So just making them feel as organized and as comfortable as they can. Bearing in mind, a lot of these people are flying around the world at the drop of a hat. You can call someone up today. I mean, COVID's changed it a little bit, but, but still it's quick. Call someone up today saying, will you fly tomorrow to Brazil? And they'll, they'll just do it. They, they might never have worked for that client before. We might never have worked for that client before. so it, it's, it's just about providing them with the information that, that they feel like they're not alone when they arrive out there, and it's, it's giving them that extra support that, that you need when you're, you're being sent on an assignment. so
1: So that's really important in in retaining people. What about attracting candidates and, and getting, getting referrals? What do you do well?
2: I think you've got to add value before you expect someone to add value to you. You need to try and add value to them. So it it might be the case that you give them free information, free market info. It could be that you give them information on a job that you don't actually currently have, but you know that would be perfect for them. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these contracts are so short that if you something for an individual um, that helps them out they will remember it I mean we've we've been in situations before where some of my closest contractors if they've come to me and they said oh, I've got this job opportunity and I think it's better than the job opportunity I've got I will outright tell them just look go for that rotation go go away for four weeks and then we'll find you your next one so and I think if they've got that trust in you when you are selling them an opportunity they they know that it is the right one for them because you've kind of gained that that level of trust
1: thank you now we've mentioned several times that you're expanding significantly um for anybody who's interested mike's business is based in essex and um would it be fair to say you're you're keen to hear from people with experience in the recruitment industry and those who'd like to get into it
2: Yeah, yeah, but
1: Okay. And so if anyone is interested in opportunities with either Select Offshore or Select Tech, how should they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, you can add me on LinkedIn. So just search Mike Tan and Select Offshore, or you can uh, send me an email. My email address is mike.tan at selectoffshore.com.
1: Okay. And for any of our listeners who are interested in exploring whether a non-exec or board advisor could work for you, as it's worked so well for Mike, please get in touch with me, Alison Humphreys, alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Mike.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been listening to
0: the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review, and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow Recruitment Leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.